Amen? Amen. He is a privilege to us, and, and we should count it as that and live our lives that way. We're going to be in Luke 23 this morning. Should be very familiar scripture to you, but Luke 23, and then we're going to jump over to John 19, then we're going to jump over to John 20 with God's help. Luke 23, verse 39, it says, And one of the malefactors which were hanged railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost thou not fear God, seeing that thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man hath done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. And then we jump over to John chapter 19. In verse 25 it says this, now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Cleophas and Mary Magdalene. And when Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple standing by, whom he loved, he saith unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. Then, he, then saith he to the disciple, Behold thy mother. And from that hour the disciple took her unto his own home. And then in John chapter 20, verses 11 through 16. But Mary stood without at the sepulcher, weeping, and as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the sepulcher, and seeth two angels in white sitting, the one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. And they said unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? And she saith unto them, Because they have taken away my Lord. And I know not where they have laid him. And when she had thus said, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing and knew not that it was Jesus. And Jesus said unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? She, supposing him to be the gardener, said unto him, Sir, if thou hast borne him hence, tell me where thou hast laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus said unto her, Mary. Mary. So if you were with us last week or if you watched online, we, we introduced a, a sermon series to you called Think Jesus. Think Jesus. Not thank Jesus, because the, the idea of this was for us to really begin to think about Jesus. It's the only way that's going to move us into a life that truly thanks Jesus, right? And, and I think we've been conditioned through years of church and through years of, uh, of, of various elements of church, and I'm not going to get into all of that, but we have been conditioned for years to see this day, understand that Jesus died, understand that Jesus rose, and because of that, we are set free. And so we should thank God, right? But I think when we really start to think about the kingdom of God and when we really start to think about what it is that God wants to move into our lives and over our lives, it brings us to this place that thinking God is really thanking God is really more about thinking God 
dwelling on him, thinking on him, allowing his presence to, to be our uttermost, as the psalmist said, so that we can move ourselves into his being, into his promises, into his power, and into his hope. Because the reality for us is this. We can live our life. We have a country that is free. We, we have the ability to live our life, do our things, and we can, we can justify most of those things. But at the end of the day, it's not going to come down to our justification. At the end of the day, it's going to come to the justification of the life of Jesus Christ and what we've done with that. And the reality is, it's easy for us to point fingers it's easy for us to blame this or blame that person or, or blame this circumstance or blame that circumstance. But, but the reality is it doesn't take away the call for us to see Jesus in all that he is, hung on a cross, beaten, crown of thorns placed upon his head, laid in a tomb dead, and raised in victory alive. And claim that as our own. Claim that as our own because the reality is we deserved it. It should have been me. It should have been you. But Jesus paid that price. And for us to fully understand that we can't justify it by the Pharisees. We can't justify that by, by the world. We can't, we can't justify that by the people, right? If you remember last week, the same people crying, crying, Hosanna, in less than a week, cried crucify. And only a select few stood by. Only a select few stayed faithful. Only a select few. They, they may have believed. They may have held dear that time that they spent with Jesus while he was alive. They may have thought, man, Jesus made a huge impact on my life. But he wasn't what I thought he was. He wasn't, he wasn't what I wanted him to be. Right? And so they turned their backs. Some even cried crucified. And, and they walked away. Well, today at the tomb, we, we have events that we have to choose how we individually, personally. I love my wife, and my wife and I spend a lot of time together, and, and we are very like-minded in 99% of things. But I can't choose for her how she responds to the cross. And I can't choose for her how she responds to the empty tomb. Nor can she do it for me. We have to decide within ourselves what we think about these events and how we respond to them in our life. And so it is important for us when we look at the cross to realize that it was for us. Amen? Say that. It was for me. It was for me. The cross was for you. And Jesus died on it. Instead, the tomb was for you. Say that it was for me. The tomb was for you. It was for me. But Jesus laid in it instead. So what do we think about these things? How do these things impact our life? And I, I shared with you uh, a couple of stories uh, from scripture. I don't like to call them stories. It's kind of the easy thing to call them, but I like to call them happenings, right? Because the difference between a story and a happening, you never, never know if a story took place or not. 
a happening happened, right? It took place. So I like to call these happenings. These happenings in Scripture is a moment where a thief who deserved to be on a cross hung beside Jesus and called out to him because he began hanging there to think that something about Jesus was different. He began to think that something about Jesus was calling to him. Something about Jesus called him to begin to think about his life and his sin and his decisions and and where he was as he approached death. The other thief did the same thing. He thought about all of these things and his rage and his anger and his fleshliness consumed him. And so rather than thinking on Jesus as God, he thought on Jesus as an adversary and he cried out to him and he railed upon him. He blasphemed him, even challenged him in who he was. But it was the other thief who began to see God, who began to hear God, who began to think God. It was the other thief who called out to him in response and said, are, are, you, are you mad? Are you crazy? We're here because we deserve to be here. But he's not. You see, this thief, instead of allowing his life to consume him, instead of allowing his flesh to consume him, this thief saw God and he thought on God and he asked God to remember him. And Jesus says, in my kingdom, you'll be with me. In my kingdom, you'll be with me. Why? Because he looked past the cross. He looked past the flesh. He looked past the sin. Here's part of our problem as Christians today is we can't get past our sin. I mean, here's the reality. We're not creative sinners. We do the same sin over and over and over and over again. Right? Because we don't think God and we don't trust God and we don't rely on God to make a change in our life. Right? This is a thief hanging on a cross who looked at the Lord and said, Remember me. And Jesus promised him that he would be in paradise. Think about those of us, right? We live good lives, we have good families, we do good things. Right? And, and, and maybe our life isn't like the thief and we justify ourselves because of that. But the reality is if we're not allowing the kingdom of God to establish who we are and move us into this place where God is, doing the things that God does, thinking the things that God thinks, loving people like God loves, amen? I'm going to be honest with you. A, a devoted Christian doesn't have a hard time loving people. A devoted Christian doesn't have a hard time being faithful to the call of Christ. A devoted people doesn't have a hard time giving their tithes. And a devoted people doesn't have a hard time doing the things that the Scripture calls upon us to do to move into a kingdom mindset. A devoted people, a people called unto God who have chosen Him over the world, think Him, and they dwell on Him day and night. They meditate upon their hearts His very Word and allow Him to move in them and possess them in this world. Amen? And that's the moment when most of us say, yeah, but... 
Yeah, but I got to go to work tomorrow. Yeah, but I don't have the money to do that. Yeah, but uh, that person really gets under my skin. Sister, huh? 30 years of ministry? Don't, 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 don't tell me that because there's a whole lot of people that get under your skin that if you love them the way Jesus loved them, you might be the very person that brings them into their place of redemption. Amen. Think of the power that gives you. Think of the power that gives you. Think of the hope that gives you. Think of, think of the awesomeness of God to be the person to leads, that leads them to Jesus Christ. Amen. We are all called to the cross. And we are all called to that place to where we make decisions at the cross about who we are, not anybody else. You see, at the cross, we are called to a place where we decide who we are just like the two thieves. One thief decided that he was ugly and angry and hateful and despiteful and willing to die with it. He chose who he was. The other thief decided who he wasn't and who he didn't want to be and who he didn't want to be remembered as, and he chose Christ. You see, we all have the opportunity to look at our lives and look at ourselves and decide every day and every moment of every day, who am I? Right? People, people ask me all the time, Jay, when did you get saved? I said, this morning. And they're like, what? Do what? You've been preaching 30 years. You didn't get saved this morning. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I got up out of bed this morning, and I decided to clothe myself with Christ. I got out of bed this morning and I decided that meditating on God's word was more important than anything else that was going to happen to me in my day. I got up this morning and I decided that talking to Father was, was the most established way that I could begin living a life the way I wanted to live my life for Christ. You see, every day I get up and I face the cross and I choose who I am just like the thieves who hung on the cross beside of Jesus. Every day, my decisions, my habits, my goings, my comings, every day I decide at the cross who I am. And every day I come back to the, to the ideology of thinking about God and thinking about who he is and thinking about what I want him to do in my life. I don't want to be, I don't, I don't want to be a, a go with the flow Christian. Amen. I, I want to, I want to be a Christian that rocks worlds and shakes foundations. Amen. I want to be someone that when I get, you know, you hear the old, the old adage and amen, and we think we share it on Facebook. So man, we all glorified if we're sharing it on Facebook, right? Uh, if that little meme comes up, I want the devil to be afraid when I get up in the morning. I shared that baby. Hallelujah. Right. That's kind of how we live today, right? If we share that meme, man, we, we got the glory fit going on, right? How about we live it? Let's live it. Let's get up in the morning and make Satan afraid that we're up and we're moving. And that we're thinking God and we're bringing the power of God into his strongholds. You see, here's the reality. Satan is defeated, right? Now, listen to me. Satan is defeated. Say that. Now, say it again. And say it so he can hear you. Right? He is defeated. We're not fighting him. 
We are not battling him. Jesus did that, and Jesus won. Right? That's why we're here this morning. It's because Jesus fought that fight, and he won. What we're battling against is spiritual wickedness. What we're battling against is satanic strongholds in the lives of the people who cried crucify and and continued to cry crucified for generations and generations and generations and generations to the point that it made its way to us. And they have developed strongholds in families. They've developed strongholds in communities. They've developed strongholds in hearts and minds and people who are pushing back against the cross because of the satanic stronghold in their life. Jesus, when he talked to Peter, he said that you'll break those chains. He said you'll tear down those temples. You will bring down the strongholds of Satan. My church, my church, the people who come to the cross and claim me, my church will stand and my church will kick in the gates. Amen. And so we are called to that place to where we not only see the cross, but we claim the cross and we begin to walk and carry the cross in our lives. Amen. Jesus said it very plainly. If you're going to follow me, if you're going to follow me, if you're going to think about me, if you're going to if you're going to allow, allow your life to be called by my name, if you're going to follow me, do what? Deny yourself. Take up your cross. Then follow me. What? What? Oh, you want to follow me? Well, you you got to go deny yourself, right? Like the thief on the cross. He denied himself. The other didn't. The other claimed himself. The other claimed his sin. The other claimed his anger. The other claimed his hatred. His other, the other claimed, amen, here's the problem. we got too many Christians claiming ungodly stuff. Oh, y'all didn't hear me. Huh? we got too many Christians claiming the things that Satan wants to have as a stronghold in your life. And when you stop claiming it and you start thinking God, then God will begin to do God things in your life. Then you'll start kicking in gates and then the foundations of, uh, of hell will begin to crumble in your place. So we are called to a cross that calls us to a life where we banish the things of the world and we tear down the strongholds of Satan. Amen? Because Satan's defeated. Everybody hear about the devil shoes? Right? Was it Nike created the devil shoes and they got human blood in them and and all of this and that and the other? The the minute I saw it, you know, of course I I wrestled in my spirit with it and I I wanted to say something, right? I I wanted to say something. I, I was like, Man, this is so wrong. I need to, I need to address this. I need to say this. I need to, you know, I need to, I, I just, I got to do something. But the words never came to me, so I, I didn't. I didn't just blah. You know, sometimes that's our problem with social media is we blah. And then we're like, woo, no, need to bring that back, right? And, and so I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to be that guy. So I just kind of left it alone. And I just kind of prayed about it. And then later, like two days later or a day later or something like that, I, I see this post that somebody else made. And, and I was like, yep, that says it all. And I shared it. And, and it says that, um, you know, Satan has devil shoes. You know, I think they're called 666. And they got human blood in them and, and all of this. And some rapper is the one, you know, promoting them and this and that and the other. And, and the meme that I saw, and I did share this, and I felt really holy when I did. Amen. It, is, it said, I hear Satan has tennis shoes. 
Well, my Lord is about to step out of a tomb on Sunday so you can keep your shoes, loser. Keep them shoes. Amen. And here's and here's and that and that speaks a lot. There's a lot of depth to that. I don't say that to be funny, but here's the thing. A lot of times we walk around in shoes with the mud and the crud that we scrape through our life. Amen. And Satan wants to put shoes on you that will hold you and imprison you and keep you back. Amen. So you can choose with Satan to wear wear shoes and be a loser. You can choose Jesus Christ and his power and his glory for your life and begin to think on him and allow his presence to overcome those things and bring you into victory. Amen. And it's the victory I want to talk to you about today. You got you to gotta say all of that to bring, you, bring us to this idea of victory. Amen. Because it's all about what you choose at the cross. You see, everybody left. Amen. Most of the crowd went away. Multitudes, right? We read in Scripture, 5,000 fed, not counting women and children, right? So, so Jesus' following was, was well beyond, you know, the, the, the megachurches of, of this day. Because of, not why? Not because of the production, not because of the entertainment, not because of the suits that he wore or anything else, but because of the power and the authority that he spoke with. Because of the truth and the love and the compassion that he dealt with. Amen. If our pulpits were filled with that today. If our pulpits were filled with that today. Right? That's why we got to love like he does. That's why we got to restore like he does. And that's why we've got to change lives and help people break the foundations of hell in their life. Not give them more foundations of hell. Right? And then some churches are guilty of that. But listen. Thousands followed him, and thousands left. Even his closest disciples turned away and walked away and left before he even got to the cross. The idea of their own imprisonment, the idea of their own pain, the idea of their own suffering was was not something they were willing to sacrifice at that time, and so they stepped away. Right? We know the story of Peter that he even denied him and cursed because he didn't want to be likened to Jesus in that time and in that moment. Making him really no different than Judas who hanged himself. Making him really no different than the other thief who railed on Jesus at that time. Nobody stuck around. Save his mom and her sister and Mary Magdalene and John. John throughout his gospel always talked about the one that he loved. He often referred to himself as the one that he loved, the one that God loved. He, he created this relationship that we could, we could glean from the scriptures and understand that there is a depth there that went beyond normal. And because of this love, John stuck to the very end. And even in the time and even in the moment when everyone had turned away, when they mocked him, They gambled over his garments. It was these who stayed, and it was these who who Christ called down to his mom and said, Behold, behold, this is why you're blessed. So I could be here, and I could do this, a testimony to Mary 
of how throughout her life she thought on what God said. What did she, what did she say on that Christmas night? All of, the, all of the, the people came and gave gifts and, and all of this thing. What did it say? It said, Mary kept these things in her heart and pondered on them. What was Mary doing? Mary was thinking God. This is all God's work. This is all God's hand. This is all God's doing. She was thinking God, and she thought God every day, and she remained faithful and true to God every day, all the way to the cross and all the way at the cross. Mary thought God, and she remained faithful to what she had been called to until Jesus himself released her. Jesus had brothers. Jesus had brothers. Theologians say there were at least three, maybe four, brothers and sisters. None of them are at the cross. So when it came time to give someone worldly responsibility for his mother, who did Jesus call upon? His only disciple who stayed, John. And he said to John, Behold, thy mother. And he was saying to John, Please, take care of my mom for me. Because why? Not because John was rich. Not because John was good looking. Not because, you know, John was super popular. But because John was faithful. John was faithful. He, Jesus never had to worry about what John said when Jesus wasn't present. Jesus never had to wonder about what John was doing when Jesus wasn't present. And Jesus in this moment is saying to me and saying to you and saying to John, I know who you're going to be and I know what you're going to be. And I trust you to be faithful, so please see after these women. Mary Magdalene. Easily with her reputation, easily with her story, could have walked away from the cross and no one would have thought anything about it. Everyone would have looked at Mary and been like, oh, that makes sense. That makes sense. You know, everyone who left, look at Mary. Yeah, it makes sense Mary left. But Mary was willing to stand the shame. Mary was willing to, to stand the guilt. Mary was willing to stand and, and deal with the finger points and the accusations so she could have a Savior. So much so that it took her to the tomb on that Easter morning. And even then at the tomb, when everyone had left, when John and, and Peter had went running away, Mary stayed. And she looked for him, and she sought for him. She begged for him. I heard a preacher say the other day that the reason we're not having revival in today's church is because we are not begging for it. We are not crying out to God for his power to move because we don't have time for his power to move. And I was like, ooh, right? Just me? Huh? I was like, ooh, right? If we read the Bible and, and we understand what happened in, in, in the building of, of the first church, and if we 
read the, the, the history and the generations of what happened building the church and continuing the church. There was a lot of wailing and there was a lot of crying and there was a lot of people pleading with God to move upon them and move upon their families and move upon their communities. And when they did, God responded and God answered and God shook the foundations and tore down the strongholds of hell and brought redemption to the people. That's what I call revival. Amen. And when we, when we choose to put God's kingdom over our kingdom and we reach out to God with that heart and with that mind and with that passion, guess what? The same God will move today that moved then and will have revival. Amen. You see, every day we come to the cross and we choose. Every day we come, you, me, our kids, everything. And let me, let me say this, amen, and, and I mean this with every ounce of love in me. And those of you who know me well know that, 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 that I love you. And when bold things come out of my mouth, it's because I love you even more in that moment. But I want you to understand this. If you're not getting it for you, if you're not thinking on God for you, it's time you start thinking on him for your kids. It's time you start thinking on him for what you're leaving behind. And it's time you start thinking on him for what you're sowing into them and the decisions that they will make based upon what they've witnessed in you. Amen. It is so important for us to get it on that level. And it is so important for us to push ourselves to a place that is beyond the holds and the entanglements of this life. It's easy it's easy to consume ourselves with this world, and it is easy to consume ourselves with the flesh, and it is easy to consume ourselves with the things of this life. That's why there weren't very many left at the cross. Amen? And I would say if, if Jesus were to do this today, I would say, much like we talked about last week, there'd be a whole lot of people crying Hosanna, and a week later, be home hiding under their bed. Right? I don't say that to be mean, but I say that to help us grasp and understand where God is calling us to. God is calling us to a place of refuge. He is calling us to a place of hope, and he is calling us to a place of love and a place of power and a place that goes against the tide of this world, but it does so with authority. And see, that's, that's where we lose sight. That's where we lose sight of what God is doing, is when we begin to see that the road is tough, and the road is hard, and, and, and people might not like us, or people might point a finger at us, and everything else like that, then we begin to question where we are at the cross. We, then we begin to, to ponder what's, what's going on in our lives. Do I do this? Do I go further? Do I push further? Or do I just kind of stay right here? Because here is safe, or at least I think it is, right? At least I think here's safe. At least I think here is okay. Amen? And the reality is, I don't, I don't care what's going on in the world. I don't know what we do. I don't care what we do to try to preserve this life. This life is ending. This life is ending. And I'm, I'm at 52 years old now. And, and I'm realizing more and more when I get up out of bed every morning that this life is ending. Right? Because things hurt a whole lot more than they did just a year ago. Right? Crazy. But it's truth. 
everything here will pass away. The only things that will remain are the things that are eternal. And what I want you to grasp and what I want you to see is that in the very end, the only person left was Mary. There were, there were those at the cross. Everybody else had left. There were those that came and ran and saw the tomb and then ran back to where they thought was safe. At the end of the day, there was only one who pleaded for him. There was only one who begged for him. There was only one who chose him over everything else. And it was her. It was Mary. And so I'm asking you, how far are you willing to go to receive your resurrection? How far are you willing to go to receive the promise of hope and power and glory that only comes through Jesus Christ? You see, once we get to the cross, once things are dark and dreary, once our, our imagined scenario is, is gone, and all we have left is the tomb. And then that tomb is empty. And we don't know what's happened. How many of us will turn away? Go back to normal. And not allow God to take us into his kingdom. You see, that's what we're called to. is a place where we think like him. A place we walk with him. And a place we, we commune with him and have relationship with him in our life. Amen? If, and if we're, if we're at a deep stage of, of a Christian life and we don't understand what a relationship with him is, I, I guarantee you, you're not praying like you should be and you're not reading scripture like you should be. Because God will reveal himself to you in those depths. He will reveal himself to you in those depths. And so today, I, I encourage you to receive the hope of the resurrection. Receive the hope of what God has promised us in Jesus Christ. But you don't do that in a safe place. You do that in the kingdom of heaven and in the presence of Jesus Christ. And I encourage you to let him resurrect you. We sang that song this morning. Should I, should I make him sing it again after? No. no what? They're looking at me like, oh, no, don't you dare. Right? But we sing that song and everything where, where we say, you know, get up, get up, get up, get up out of that grave. All of us in, in some manner or way are digging our graves. And God is calling out to us and pleading to us to get up out of our grave. And receive the power and receive the glory and tear down the strongholds. Amen. So many people I meet with and, and they, they, give, they give me the laundry list of all the problems in their life and all the problems around them. And everything else. And, and when they're done, I listen. I let them, I let them lay it all down. I listen. And, and when they're done, I, I say the same thing, almost word for word to every single one of them. We're going to start tearing those strongholds down one at a time. If we're not in agreement with that, we're not going to make any progress here. But we have to agree through the spiritual power of Jesus Christ, we are going to attack those strongholds. Those things that afflict your mind and those things that afflict your heart, we're going to attack those strongholds and we're going to tear them down. 
and we're going to find ourselves in his presence. Now, are you willing to fight with me? I'll fight with you. Are you willing to fight with me? And let's bring it down. Amen. And they're, they're, you know, everyone, of course, will, yeah, yeah, okay. But when they find out that, man, we, we got to attack the sin and we got to attack, we got to attack the scenarios and the situations that brought us here and, and we got to deal with that and it gets ugly and it gets dirty and everything else, there's a lot of people that are like, yeah, no, not today. Can't, can't be there today. Not going to be there next week. Not going to be there next month or next year. I'm just going to keep wallowing where I am because I'm used to this. God's got so much more for you. He's got so much more for you. And I invite you to his empty tomb. I invite you to the garden. Amen. And if he can look at Mary and he can call her by name before he ascends to the Father, I promise you he will call you by name today. And so wherever you're at, whatever you're wallowing in, whatever the circumstances, whatever the situation, God is calling your name today. And I invite you to come.